Welcome to BrainStuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, BrainStuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. Maybe you're a big fan of the classic movie It's a Wonderful Life and dream of operating your own version of Bailey Building and Loan. Or maybe you want to emulate Amadeo Peter Giannini, the early 1900s fruit vendor who convinced immigrant families in San Francisco to deposit their savings in his new bank, which eventually became Bank of America. If so, provided that you have enough money, a good business plan, and the patience to make it through the regulatory process, you could actually start your own bank. Plenty of people have over the years. Unlike most industrialized countries in the world, which tend to have just a handful of big banks, the United States has thousands of them, ranging from small-town institutions to massive multi-state behemoths. We spoke by email with one Edward J. Carpenter. He's the chairman and chief executive of Carpenter & Company, a Newport Beach, California consulting, private equity, broker-dealer, and registered investment advisor firm that has assisted clients in starting hundreds of banks and savings and loans across the nation since the 1970s. The company handles 40% of new bank applications in the United States. He explained, the U.S. is the only industrialized nation in the world where a group of citizens can start a bank. Most of the would-be bank founders who come to Carpenter for guidance are groups, but it's possible for a single wealthy person to start a bank and own 100% of it. Carpenter recalls, several years back, we did one in which an individual put in $50 million and started his own bank. He said that solo founders are often civic-minded individuals rather than someone motivated by the prospect of becoming even richer. In some instances, they're trying to take the place of a small local bank that recently closed down. But Carpenter says that people start banks for various reasons. Sometimes bank startup entrepreneurs think they can find customers in a particular community that's underserved by existing financial institutions. In one common scenario, a group of immigrants or family members of immigrants might decide to start a local bank to serve newly American customers in their original language. Other bank founders possess a specific sort of lending expertise that gives them a competitive advantage in some particular business. And sometimes that niche can be pretty arcane. Carpenter cites the example of one bank that was founded specifically to make loans on special engines that seaports and government agencies use to retrofit old diesel trucks to run on electricity. Or maybe they have a plan to offer mobile banking or some other service that local competitors don't have yet. In addition to brick-and-mortar community banks, in recent years, Companies involved in the financial technology field, also known as fintech, have also begun starting online banks to take advantage of innovations they've developed, such as software that automates and speeds up the loan application process. Starting a bank might sound like easy money, and you might expect that a lot of people would give it a try. Instead, there are only about 20 applications to start banks in the United States each year and just 10 new federally charted banks opened in the first three quarters of 2019. That's because starting a bank requires a lot of money and work. Typically, the process takes about a year and a half. At the start, when potential bank founders come in to seek help from Carpenter, he first wants to look at their business plans. He explained, the bottom line when people come in is, does it make sense or not make sense based on competition and the business plan? If it looks like a new bank has a good chance of success, that's when the complicated part begins. Bank founders need to put together a board of directors to oversee management, 
and then they have to go out and raise enough capital to fund the bank's operations. We're not talking about just taking a loan out of your 401k either. This requires serious money. Carpenter said, most likely at the low end, we're talking about $10 million. We just opened a bank in New York for which they raised $130 million. After that, it's time to apply to the government regulators who oversee banks. In some cases, bank founders may opt out to apply to a state agency for a charter, or they may go to the Federal Office of the Controller of the Currency. Once a bank is chartered, it has to obtain insurance from the Federal Deposit Insurance Commission. There's a certain amount of risk in the process, because if regulators nix an application, the bank founders are out whatever they spent on advisors and other expenses. Once a startup bank gets through the regulatory process, though, things usually work out pretty well. In its third or fourth year of operation, a new bank typically is earning a 10 to 15% annual return on the equity that the startup group has invested in it. But for all the new banks that are opening, others are closing or being bought up by bigger institutions. So the number of banks in the United States has gone from 16,500 in 1992 to around just 5,500 today, according to Carpenter. But although big banks and online banks powered by fintech increasingly are dominating the banking industry, there's still a place for small banks. Carpenter said, they have just 10% of the nation's deposits, but that's still a trillion dollars. And they make 50% of the small business loans. Today's episode was written by Patrick J. Kiger and produced by Tyler Klang. For more on this and lots of other topics you can bank on, visit HowStuffWorks.com. BrainStuff is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hold up. 